Okay, as in go. Sorry, one second. Fork Tales, a podcast that feeds the food and beverage world. Oh, awesome. Tales is brought to you by Vigor, a branding and marketing agency for passion-driven, innovative restaurant, beverage, and hospitality brands. Learn more at VigorBranding.com. If you love what we're serving up, please give Forktails a five-star review on your podcast service of choice. Think of it as a tip for good service. Hey everyone, today I'm joined by my friend Andrew O'Shea. He is the founder and CEO of Wellspring. And we're going to have a great talk about the state of the uh, industry as it uh, pertains to employees and teams and camaraderie and all of that. Uh, But before we do that, Andrew, say hello, give a little bit of backstory, and and you can tell people what Wellspring's all about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again, Joe, for having me on here. Um, Real excited to chat with you this morning. My name is Andrew O'Shea, for those who don't know me. Uh, I am the founder and CEO of a company called Wellspring. And we provide health and wellness gift boxes and care packages uh, to provide for employees uh, as a part of a wellness program that is substantive and and makes substantive change. Uh, The the kicker here being that we oftentimes partner through companies' insurance channels to help pay for this. That's a little bit about me. Love it. Yeah. And we have a lot to talk about. I think anybody who's tuned into this episode knows that we haven't quite cracked the nut on um, what some people have labeled the great resignations. Others have uh, relabeled it the great transition, um, you know, because we're, we're not seeing people leave the workforce necessarily. Uh, they may be shifting to another company, so on and so mm-hmm. forth. But uh, employee retention in general, it's just it's a hot button issue would be an understatement. And I think a lot of people like, ze- like to zero in on the money. It's like, oh, we weren't paying people enough. We need to raise minimum wage. We need to compensate them better. And, and what I've seen, at least in my um, experiences, is I've seen some people offering up to $25, $30 an hour and still not getting traction uh, for a restaurant uh, team. So how, how have you approached maybe reconfiguring the perception that compensation is the sole driver? Sure. Um, it's a great question. And it is typically historically uh, what is driving folks to change positions. It is uh, you know, at the very beginning of COVID, we saw a lot of people coming home and we were all sitting on the couch. We were all looking at one another, looking for clear messaging as to what to do next. A lot of people were being furloughed. A lot of people were being laid off. A lot of people who still had the same jobs were looking at the other couch and saying, okay, well, what's the difference between the two jobs? Okay. This person's getting paid better. They're actually engaged with their organization. They're getting all sorts of other benefits and amenities while I'm still stuck at this number. So on the initial side, you do see a little bit of the compensation, maybe an uptick there um, to try and compete and and retain employees. But when that uptick happened, we saw, uh, okay, well, if that's not the main driver, what is it about uh, company culture or about benefits that we can add to this that is actually sticking with people? Because right now, um, you've seen a lot of companies throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. We're throwing all sorts of health carrier direction. We're, we're throwing the Calm app. or we're t- These are supposed to be the solutions for the employee workforce, um, but none of it's really sticking. And to that point, we're, we're trying to figure out what is it that's most important to an employee. And at the end of the day, it is equipping them uh, with the tools necessary to combat life. Um, we've, we've seen work-life balance go from uh, 50-50 to non-existent, uh, if you will. And, and with life happening all around us, 
you know, when, again, I re- refer back to when we came back to the couch, um, we had new employees. We had no co- coworkers. We had the dog, the cat, the kid in the other room, our spouse, uh, our, our partner, and um, we were ill-equipped. So, you know, we, we found that uh, by offering benefits to folks that makes life a little bit easier uh, on them and themselves and get them more in the sound mind necessary to be the most productive selves they can be at work really is what has been sticking for folks. Yeah, the, the word benefits is interesting. And, and I've had this discussion with some people over the years. Um, I, you know, I, I was a business owner uh, for, gosh, decades. And um, it's kind of gross to say out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when I had discussions with other business owners or folks who were thinking about business, I'm like, you have to realize that the word benefits means benefits. It doesn't mean yeah. um, this is standard issue. Um, now, what has happened is the traditional idea of benefits, the things that were used to lure individuals to a company over another one, things like vacation time, things like healthcare, things like uh, insurance opportunities, and, and the list goes on, uh, mm-hmm. daycare, things like that. Those were truly benefits. It's like, yeah, 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 you know, you're going to work in my factory, but here we're doing these things for you. Yeah. Well, the the tide rose, and I, I don't even know if we should call them benefits anymore. They're they're, they're just givens. They have to mm-hmm. be there. Like you can't not have them. Um, and so that opens up the door for this new idea of benefits. And, mm-hmm. you know, the restaurant industry in particular, I think is notoriously um, pretty bad at benefits. You know, the, you know, there's been a lot of changes recently. The pandemic has definitely kicked things into high gear with reevaluating how we treat uh, our, our team members and going beyond, you know, just putting values on the wall and calling it a day. And then mm-hmm. we see the same thing in like, for instance, my industry, the ad industry, the creative industry, the joke goes, you know, for a lot of corporate places like, Oh, terrible work environment, terrible work life balance. Here's a pizza party on Friday. We have good culture. <laughs> so um, at the risk of rambling on, can let, let's talk about um, culture mm-hmm. and how do you think culture gets cultivated within an organization? What are your perspectives on that? And sure. I know it's a ringer of a question, so apologies. Well, of course. Um, and I love pizza parties, so I don't know what you're talking about. But uh, yeah, culture is a, is a huge behemoth to tackle. And what we, what we know at the end of the day is culture is created by the people. It's the people that are part of the organization. It is the organization that is built. Um, without the people, there is no organization. There is no culture. So it really is about setting a tone and a precedent with the folks that you were working with and how they're approaching their work style and what sort of, uh, I, I hate to say it, but kind of vibes they're working with. Uh, is it somebody who is going to be more of a down speaker? Is it somebody who's more of a, um, a community builder? It, these are the types of things that come into play when hiring and firing folks. And that at the end of the day is what is going to create the culture. Now, Um, There are all sorts of things that can dictate the message and what is talked about and what the feel of that culture is. So at the end of the day, we found that having a culture centered around giving and caring for one another and showing, hey, uh, we know this is hard. We love you. We care about you. That at the end of the day was what was the ringer for uh, really culture creation and uh, in turn, what we were just talking about, employee retention. Uh, People want to stick around when they feel like they're a part of something larger than themselves. And when we all uh, are are remote 100% or we're hybrid, we go into the office one week, we're at home the other, we don't see some of our employees anymore, you start to lose that, uh, that connectivity, that engagement, that feeling like you are a part of something larger than yourselves. 
And that's where recreating that in a virtual environment is key to any business's success. Um, so for those that don't know, could you explain down talker, that term? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I mean, I, I don't need to go uh, too far into it, but somebody who is going to be much more directing rather than uh, giving orders rather than taking orders um, mm-hmm. in that sort of a managerial sense where they're not really uh, complicit with the employee. They're not, it's not a give and take relationship. It's very much a, uh, do as I say, not as I do type of a situation. That makes sense. And I think we see a lot of that in the restaurant industry and not, mm-hmm. not necessarily that it's bad, but like, you know, you, you take the various departments in, within a hospitality company or restaurant company. Um, CEOs tend to be visionary, but also future thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, they're looking for the growth. They're looking for what's next. They're looking at how to bring this ship along for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get into the operations side and they very much are, they're dictatorial. It's, you must, it's processes and procedures. We're trying to get consistency, not just in food, but in um, service level. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're trying to foster uh, dedication to those processes and procedures. Like it's very much don't color outside the lines. Mm-hmm. How do you, shift that mentality without losing the traction. Does that make sense? It does, because these are actually copacetic. Um, You know, in an organization where it's very clear what the expectations are for production, um, you know, you're a line chef or whatever your position is in the kitchen, uh, the output has to be X. And if Mm -hmm. that's what the expectation is, then um, we know how to it's an equation. However, we can't expect the end result without giving the employee what is necessary to be that productive employee. So whether it's absenteeism, whether it's, you know, filing for PTO days, calling in sick, uh, or when they're at the, uh, at the workplace or in the kitchen, if they're just not getting it done, um, we start to see that overall, we're either going to lose that employee or we have to retrain that employee, or we have to look at this, the source of the problem, which is stress, anxiety, lack of sleep, depression, all of these things that are a result of not taking care of yourself and the self-care is what is so key to that metric. Yeah, I mean, you just labeled uh, pretty much every adjective for anyone that's worked in the restaurant. <laughs> did, did I really? Well, yeah, you nailed it. You ticked all the boxes. Box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, going back to those those various roles and those various um, uh, endeavors or or need needs for uh, CEO versus COO versus marketing manager, regional manager, like th- these varying levels, mm-hmm. um, they come with notably different stressors. So, like if you're in for instance, the kitchen, the, the back of house and full service restaurants has a long, infamous reputation of, let's just say, politically correctness or anything like that should probably stop at the door before you get back there. Um, and we've seen this manifest with folks like Mario Batali mm-hmm. and his uh, accusations of um, sexual harassment. Uh, he mm-hmm. certainly isn't the only one. Um, suffice to say, anyone that's read Kitchen Confidential knows that mm-hmm. the back of their house is a pretty bad place uh, verbally. Mm-hmm. Um, but there seems to be camaraderie there. you know. So it's almost uh, the same phenomenon or not phenomenon, but like a behavioral trigger that you see, uh, in, in wartime, uh, in platoons where yeah. you're literally under fire every day. And these people become your best friends, even if you have zero in common and, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. But so it's very different from top sideways, bottom, all that. How do you approach addressing the nuances of wellness? Because what a person in the back of the house every day needs is very different than what the CEO needs. 
Goodness gracious. Very different. Um, and every organization is that way, Joseph. It's not a, it's not a unique facet of the <clears throat> restaurant industry. Accountants need to sleep better. Salespeople people need to eat better. There are all sorts of different needs. And the more individualized we can take this, uh, the, the more effective it's going to be. It's hard to approach anything with a blanket approach. Um, you know, it's a one size fits all model. Um, here are some things that you should try out. Uh, maybe this will help with your daily routine in the mornings. Maybe this will help you sleep in the evenings. There's nothing to back that up. I got to find out what's bothering Joseph. I got to find out what's bothering the CEO. And that's where individualized care is going to be the, the most effective by far above and beyond anything else. So it does come from uh, you have to breach the, the corporate veil and you have to go into the C-level suite and you have to get some buy-in. Because if the CFO is constantly looking for an ROI that he can measure on a on a uh, on a pivot table, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to pin one thing, but you know, because you've been in the industry for long enough, that camaraderie and that teamwork, when that synergy is actually happening and it is at full flux, the productivity uh, of that organization or that group is unsurpassable. And, and when we can create that condition, that's what we're really trying to do when it comes to health benefits, all of these things that are uh, entitled or owed to you, now, at the end of the day, how can I make you a better employee? How can I make you a better person? How can I be, make you a better part of this culture? And that's what we're tackling. We're, we're tackling all of these individualized instead of a blanket uh, program to try and care for every employee. So to your point, um, you know, buy-in from the ownership of a restaurant, of a brand, and then getting back kitchen behind the ownership, that's Again, that's something that trickles from the top down, not not up from the bottom up. Um, you know, employees are always going to be wanting this or asking for that, but when it comes from a top down approach of um, care and giving and altruism rather than what's owed, required, or mandated, mm. suddenly that that feel is very very different. I love that. So, suffice to say, if I could have ventured a guess here. The goal of Wellspring and, and your your personal mission as well, um, mm. that's manifesting professionally, really is is to to find that binding camaraderie that is normally found under situations of extreme duress, mm -hmm. but finding it in situations of extreme wellness and care. That's right, and uh, where we can all be traveling this journey. Um, I'll give a, a little story about uh, myself and a. A previous form about five years ago. I think I was about 50 pounds heavier than I was right now. Um, I was working in human resources, recruiting, staffing, a headhunter, and um, they started, it, my organization started to bring in um, yoga instructor or bringing in a, a boot camp twice a week. And for somebody who is uh, overweight, who's on a different place on their health and wellness journey than say somebody who's got a six pack in the cube next to them, that can be a really big uphill battle just to even get yourself to the class, to follow through for an hour of that boot camp, then to show up again two days later after I had to uh, go back and feel shameful or, or how whatever self-hatred I was imbibing at the time. And, I mean, um, to be honest, you did have a six-pack in your cubicle. It was just a beer. <laughs> It was just a beer. It's just a beer. <laughs> Correct. And, and I sadly went underneath the desk and, and uh, when when had fun with that in my tears. Um, yeah, it, it was it was clear to me that um, rather than 
again, this is an off, awesome offering from an employer to try and harness that camaraderie and that health and wellness. But uh, the barrier to entry was still too high for me. Um, and it was too high for most people. I think when you see that type of um, program brought in, you'll see about 5% are inherently interested in doing something like that. But that's because that's already what they're doing. It's mm-hmm. only a supplement to uh, their program on a daily and weekly basis, rather than uh, somebody who was like, hey, that sounds like a good idea. I think I'm just going to try this now for the first time, and I'm going to be consistent and stick with it. So if that, that was the barrier to entry, we try to figure out, how can I meet you on your journey? You're sitting on the couch. You're dealing with stresses uh, far above and beyond getting a six-pack. You're trying to wake up in the morning and go to sleep at night, put food on the table, and bring home a paycheck to keep the lights on. Um, so how can we ease that stress? How can we help you and provide you the tools that you can explore, you can discover, and you figure out what works for you? And that's what that, that at the end of the day, became a personal mission for me of lowering that barrier to entry and walking that path with different people, no matter where they are. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think the pandemic was such a, a learning moment. Um, by no means would I choose to have that happen again. But I think with any bad situation, you have to glean some sort of silver or gold lining from it. And I think there were a lot of people that took it as a uh, opportunity to eat like crazy, drink like crazy and get worse. No and there were folks like such as yourself, which took it as an opportunity to reevaluate and mm-hmm. um, hunker down. And I, and I think that is what... Um, you know, I want to try to stay focused on restaurants, but it's very tough not to, to project here. Sure. Uh, you know, I lost 40 pounds in the pandemic as well by Good. just getting, thank you. Yeah. I gained 20 back, but we'll, we won't talk about that part. Um, <laughs> but you know, the, cutting out, changing my diet, cutting out bad things, uh, like sugar and, and, and carbohydrates and alcohol, mm-hmm. uh, in general, um, was half the battle almost quite literally. And the rest was exercise just, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking about like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger level, try to get that six pack, just 30 minutes on a treadmill going very fast, um, walking, not running, you know, mm-hmm. just, just enough. Um, movement. yeah, movement. And there's so many chemical, uh, responses to that, that, that are released that are so positive mm-hmm. for productivity and focus. And, you know, and, and I know so many people have said this and I'm trying not to ramble here, but it really mm-hmm. is what you put in is what you get out. Um, but I think it when, when it comes to health, what you put in, you get 10 times out. Uh, and that even goes into music. Um, mm-hmm. I ran an experiment for the last six weeks up until five days ago. The only thing I listened to was classical really? and, uh, my mood, my focus, I, I, I wish I would have measured it in some way, but I noticed that I was mm-hmm. way more zeroed in. Uh, able yeah. to stay focused and everything. And so that's my idea of wellness. So, but wellness comes with so many different points of view from very, you know, from leaders, from mm-hmm. just everyone. Everyone has a different view mm-hmm. of wellness. How do you educate and position that term uh, and what it means to leaders that are engaged and ready to adopt? Sure. And you're not alone there, Joseph. I think, uh, you know, when, when polled, closer to 60 to 70% of people uh, when asked what they what is their go-to for wellness, is typically listening to music. It puts them in a mood. It puts them in a place. It's a very powerful uh, um, <clears throat> instrument, no pun intended, um, for for increasing your wellness. It, it it puts a smile on your face, and and that's at the end of the day what's what's most important is uh, having positivity in your life, affirmation in your life, gratitude in your life. 
it's it's really um, it's difficult. So historically, wellness has gotten a a bad deal here, um, you know, and maybe that is due to the leaders, <clears throat> the leaders who came into the industry and and how they marketed themselves. Um, and, and it certainly has been somewhat demonized by the medical community as not a firm option the same way that uh, that traditional medicine or uh, deemed science is, um, which we found over the over the course of a decade, specifically over the last three, four, five years, um, <clears throat> it's not that case. It's not the way. A wellness is a is a broad stroke, but it takes up a lot of uh, of different things. Both you can have your emotional wellness. You know, how are you feeling? Are you feeling happy, tired, sad? Um, you can have your mental wellness. Are you in a place where you can focus, where you can be productive, or is your mind off and on other things, other stressors that are tearing you away? Um, are you physically well? Uh, are you taking care of yourself? Now, physical wellness can go into all sorts of different things. Are you sleeping appropriately? Are you getting the proper amounts of REM and non-REM sleep at night? Are you getting the proper amounts of serotonin that are supposed to be released into your bloodstream to keep you asleep all the way through? Um, which goes back to, am I getting the appropriate amount of white light during the day? Uh, and, and am I wearing, you can go into blue blockers and different, there's so many different metrics to be following there. Um, the list goes on, financial wellness. Am I actually equipped with the tools necessary in both my bank account, but also the financial knowledge to balance a checkbook, uh, be able to take my uh, income and, and meaningfully create a budget and those sorts of things. It's about preparing yourself. And, and, and that's what I think of when I think of wellness is how mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually uh, well are you and fit are you to take on the day and life's challenges. And, and at the end of the day, that is a bit more measurable than what traditional wellness might've meant in years past. Yeah, there are so many uh, aspects. And I think we almost fall victim to overuse in, in, in proper use of words. Mm -hmm. And then it actually ruins the word, um, you know, and, and that's a shame because couldn't agree more, <laughs> could not agree more, you know, holistic. Like I say that, and there may be some people listening to this that are going to balk, but holistic in its purest form doesn't mean what you think it means. It means just like of the whole, it means a complete view. And that's I think right. that's where, uh, Western <laughs> medicine has fallen short despite all of our advances and innovations, which are, astronomically mind-blowing mm -hmm. um, i'm not undermining that community um, but right. there is something to be said for um the more uh eastern medicine approach as mm -hmm. well as mental and emotional and like you said financial financial not just in you know compensatory means but in right. balancing your budget being able to achieve goals um and, and realize new things that, that's amazing that you tap into that so that leads me to a couple of questions and um mm -hmm. I want to know more about Wellspring and how you bring this yeah. into an organization. How do you assess what's needed on the varying levels? And then what kind of things do you provide in, in the kits to, to help these the, sure. the holistic approach along? Well, that's a great question. Um, so we sit down with an employer or, uh, and, and we have a very frank discussion about their needs internally. Uh, it takes some vulnerability on the part of human resources to really give an accurate assessment of their employee uh, list. Uh, or census, if you will, 
and, and they have to be able to point out some of the weaknesses that they perceive. Now, if they want us to issue an actual health risk assessment, uh, we can actually measure where they are on their own health and wellness journey if they're more predisposed to certain things, if they have historical medical background, uh, or if they are blatantly struggling with certain things at that moment, um, then we can identify those. That's the key. Once we're able to identify some of the key metrics that we can measure from start to finish, then we can develop a plan. Then we can develop a program. Wellspring partners with tons of emerging brands in the health and wellness industry uh, to provide these brands and give them a platform in a place uh, that is very crowded uh, with a whole bunch of, I hate to say it, malarkey, uh, where it, it is very much like the wild, wild west. Uh, there aren't as many regulations as you might think on certain products, the ingredients that go into them and what their uses can actually affect uh, in, in a positive way and in a negative way. Um, so that being said, we, we partner with things that are uh, B corporations, USDA organic, promoting non-GMO project, vegan, plant-based, uh, paraben-free. The list goes on of different health designations that we try and educate the employees around so that Listen, if I, if I don't see a lesser evil bag of popcorn, I still know what organic means, right? And, and if I see that USDA organic, that can empower me to maybe explore a new product in the grocery store or something that I see online when there are these uh, barriers that we build up. Oh, that's paleo. I don't even know what that means. Well, I'm just going to stay away from it because it probably doesn't taste good. Well, we, we want to understand what paleo is. We want to understand what a paleo diet is so that when I see this designation, I can actually assess it for face value rather than whatever my preconceived notions are. So it's, it's kind of a slow uh, marketing campaign to overcome those preconceived notions. Uh, I want to put fig bars into your hand. I want to give you some melatonin patches to explore. I want you to see what B12 feels like uh, mm-hmm. as, as it's coursing through because these are natural alternatives that occur in nature. Um, that we can be using rather than artificial things like caffeine or other extracurricular energy and going to sleep. It's both um, for productivity purposes, relying on prescription uh, medications. It's, it can be very harmful to our overall circadian rhythm, um, which all this comes back down to. The human body is an incredibly powerful and powerful machine, by the way. Um, so when I talk about a lot of the things, they occur naturally. And that's where we want to harness this on a natural level rather than artificially putting it into um, into our daily diets. So we want to be able to go outside, receive sunlight at an appropriate amount and not stare at our cell phone uh, for 10 minutes and get the same effect as being underneath the sun for two hours at noon. Yeah. Um, these are all things you don't realize the the detrimental effect. We, we might think them, we might know them, but I'm trying to put it front and center for the employee to understand so they can make better life decisions. I love that. So what, what kind of, um, how do you measure success? Like, I mean, there, especially when you start talking about C level leadership, what's not measured, you know, uh, I forget the phrase. If, if it's not mm-hmm. measured, it's not done or, or something it, like yeah, that. It didn't happen. Yeah. Um, yeah I, so it's going to be an individual metric on, based on the corporation. Um, some, impl- some, this is just a wellness gift that they're trying to engage them and they want to measure engagement based on, uh, how many folks are actually logging into their uh, landing page to learn more about uh, the Rich Roll podcast or about Peter Atia or Matthew Walker and, and sleep circadian rhythm. 
um, we can actually measure that type of engagement success. And that's mm-hmm. going to be overwhelmingly higher than an email that's coming to you from human resources. Um, those are inevitably going into the spam folder or directly into the trash can and aren't getting read. So you're seeing a big communication gap happening between companies and their employees. So companies are actually harnessing this as an as a way to put very valuable information. Let's say it's about open enrollment or biometric screening that is necessary prior. Now this is being put front and center, and it's going to end up on your refrigerator rather than in your trash can. So that's that's one way of measuring this. The other is we can do that health risk assessment. So if you're wanting to see uh, physical improvement amongst your employees with a consistent program, maybe it's quarterly, maybe it's monthly, maybe it's semi-annually, or maybe it's just annually, but you feel that you can measure that type of success by by continuing to assess the uh, the employees while they're experiencing this. They can give honest feedback. We survey the employees. We want to know what they think about these products. Are you actually attracted to this? Hey, what is your likelihood of buying this on your own? Um, are you going to use this on a weekly basis? Is this something you're going to use every day now? I mean, these are all things that we can measure. And we have testimonials of people losing 65 pounds since receiving mm. their first uh, or you know, sleeping 10 hours a night for the first time, uh, coming in raving about, I didn't wake up. I didn't wake up once. I didn't even have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, we're measuring it on all sorts of different uh, scales. But at the end of the day, the most important metric is productivity and, 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 and again, employee retention. Do they feel like they're a part of a culture? Do they feel like they're a part of something larger than themselves? And is it working? Are they showing up with a smile on their face and, and actually finishing up early, taking on tasks that they wouldn't normally get to because they have better actual energy throughout the day rather than being pumped up on 50 different monster energy drinks or what have you. Yeah, those uh, don't get me started on the energy drinks. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I can't seem to kick my coffee every time I do. I just want more. But That's um, okay. I did um, replace the the sugar with uh, monk fruit. I'm like the biggest monk fruit fan in the world. I think. And um, how did that make you feel? Just out of curiosity, when you took that sugar out, I'm sure the first week was rough. But it, once it was you bumpy get past that plateau. Yeah, it was definitely bumpy. Um, it didn't take a week, thank God, um, but it was a couple of days, mm-hmm. and uh, but I really haven't turned back. I, I try to stay away from sugars completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the carbs, m- me and carbs are in a love hate relationship, um, Same. you know. But I do try to do replacements there, and I've seen great results. When I when I'm not eating a lot of carbs, I just feel better, you know. In general, um, if I replace uh, traditional sweets with natural ones like fruit mm-hmm. and things like that. I feel better. Um, and so I think it really is a dedication to not always, uh, losing the, the pounds, especially mm-hmm. if you're in the, I want to add mass, but lose the fat kind of thing. Like the, the, uh, the, um, the thing that you use to measure your weight, the scale, um, <laughs> it can be an enemy, you know, it can be it very can deceiving. Be. Um, and so how do you, how do you set, benchmarks for folks? I know you said it's individual, but what are some examples of that as opposed to just the the scale? Well, when we're coming down on an individual basis, um, we try and create some accountability from the leaders within the organization. They have some buying power into the program that's being cultivated. So oftentimes they're the ones who are selecting what goes inside of the box. It's always still a gift. It's something that they get in the mail. They're not expecting it. They open it up. And they're able to explore that. So by getting their buy-in power on their own employees, we start to um, do a health risk assessment, understand what the needs are of this specific group, 
And then we hold them accountable. We want to have this on a, on a timed basis, whether it's quarterly, whatever type of a program they're on, so that we can continue to check in. Um, this is a path. You don't ever receive uh, the end prize here. You don't cross the finish line. Wellness isn't a... Uh, isn't across the finish line. It's just, uh, it is a state of mind and, and a feeling in your body as well. So we want to create that and then continue that. So it, it's tough from a financial perspective. CFOs always want to look at, okay, what is my bottom line? What is the mm-hmm. ROI on this type of an investment? Am I seeing a 17% increase in productivity? Well, not everything is going to go towards that. But you can, again, measure productivity on uh, the days that they are in the office. You can measure how many days they are in the office. Um, Are they exercising PTO? Are they exercising absentee days? Are they sick calling out early? These are, and also on the insurance side, this is a whole other tranche of metrics, but we can actually track how many files or claims are being filed Mm. uh, as a part of that. So when you want a lean and mean workforce who isn't paying the most exorbitant premium on their insurance and benefits, because that is the second highest uh, expense of any business outside of payroll, then they want to make sure that uh, it's working. Uh, How how do we make sure that this, uh, there is an ROI on this? So we can specifically measure whether or not there have been claims and whether or not there have been, uh, those claims are in a specific area. Was it workers' compensation because there was an injury uh, was it actually just detrimental because of a um, underlying precondition? Um, we're, we're able to measure that pretty well. And usually employers have their eyes on certain groups or certain folks that are typically uh, more, uh, I'd say, sedentary or uh, mm-hmm. n- we touch on that movement again, less inclined to be active. Um, they've got their eyes on those folks. They know where those uh, sore spots lay within the uh, within the group, and oftentimes they're the ones who are hurting uh, the premium for a lot of the other folks paying into this. So, to help with that, we try and provide this to everyone, but we're able to, on an individualized basis, say, "Hey, how is this working for you? Is this something that you are actually taking uh, seriously? Do you find something inside of here that you like? Um, you know, what is it?" on an individual basis that is going to open your eyes and let you drink the water because you know this and in, in most things you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Um, you can, drown them, though. you can and, yeah. and you can try really hard. Um, <laughs> but we want to, we want to discover what is it that moves the needle for each person. And it's not the same. Like I said, one person, uh, it, you know, got a, got a box, got a kit and decided this is the day where I'm going to change everything. Wow. And they lost 65 pounds in six months and they haven't looked back since. I consider that as much of a success as somebody who has taken uh, a nature's bakery fig bar and replaced the Twix that they've been eating in the morning. Uh, and they're doing it every day and they've lost three pounds, but yeah. they feel like a million bucks in the morning now. And they're less inclined to both file a claim, but also to be uh, diabetic. Um, there, there, there are so many different things that we can be measuring here. I consider that to be as much, if not more, of a success, depending on where you're at on your journey. I love that. This is incredibly insightful. So this is the final question. It's probably the most uh, difficult one. Hmm. If you had one final meal, where would you eat? What would you eat? And why? Oh, goodness. 
Oh goodness. Well, I'm a, I'm a, yeah, I've got a love hate relationship with carbohydrates as well. And, uh, and fromage is, is a kicker. So, um, I would almost say, and it's grass fed beef. Um, <laughs> I'd probably get a burger at brick store in downtown Decatur with those awesome, oh, yeah. awesome French fries and get some of that melted pimento cheese on top with a couple pieces of bacon. Don't tell anybody. Um, yeah, but it's, but it's, but it's really good. It's really tasty. Hey, I mean, sometimes a little bit of naughty can make all the nice, uh, that much better. So that's right. Treat and it is your last meal. So there's not a future. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you for that. Absolutely. Well, Andrew, this has been amazingly insightful. I know I have a ton of idea popcorn going off in my head and I hope the listeners do too. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah. Thank you again, Joseph. This has been amazing. And for those listening, um, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, we, again, we're on, our name is Wellspring. Uh, our URL is www.trywellspring.com. Uh, feel free to reach out to us through the portal there, or uh, um, you can reach out at sales at trywellspring.com. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, the insights. I love what you're doing and Thanks, uh, we'll talk real soon. Appreciate it, man. Y'all take care. love what we served up, please follow us at Vigor Branding on Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Medium. Fork Tales is produced by the team at Vigor. Audio and video post-productions provided by Zencaster. Music performed by Jet Trash and licensed through musicbed.com. Joseph handles his own hair, makeup, and stunts. Copyright 2003 to 2021, Vigor Graphic Design, LLC, all rights reserved.